Today on the Amped Up to 11 podcast, Chris Cavanaugh, also known as the Mad Hiker. Chris is a trauma survivor who lost his left leg in a terrible auto accident that led to multiple surgeries which saved his life. Chris has led a colorful life filled with tremendous challenges including drug addiction, thoughts of suicide, and has risen above it to inspire amputees and outdoor enthusiasts. Chris challenges himself while extreme hiking in the wilderness of Kentucky. Chris is a gifted photographer and continues to grow a loyal following through social media. It is our pleasure to welcome Chris Cavanaugh. Hey, Chris, it's good to see you, man. How's it going? Going good. How you doing? Oh, man, I'm doing well. I'm doing well in this uh, chilly Chicago weather. I know you're in Kentucky, correct? Yeah. And what's the weather like there right now? Oh, it's pretty nice right now, sunny. Yeah? What's the temperatures like right now? Uh, probably 50s, 40s, yeah. high and 40s, I, 50s. And I would imagine that's, uh, is that good hiking weather? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, would, I would think so. I would think good so. Weather. Yeah. So... The Mad Hiker, where did that come from? I know there's a lot of people that want to know where that connotation, where that trademark came from. Uh, is this something that you've been carrying around for a while? Previously, before my accident, I owned a tattoo shop, and people around town had nicknamed me the Mad Tatter. And when I lost my leg, I wanted to hike Red River Gorge. And... One of my friends told me that I had to be mad to want to hike it. And after I hiked it, <laughs> people started reaching out to me, telling me how it helped them and motivated them. And I just got the idea to start calling myself a mad hiker. Yeah, I love it. I love it. It's certainly something that caught my eye basically put me in a trajectory of wanting to learn more about you, wanting to follow you. And, you know, amputees come in many shapes, forms, different ways of life. And I'm, I'm so glad that you were willing to come and be part of this endeavor, which is to bring these stories forward and let people really get to know on a deeper level, you know, what we're all about, because all of us have a story all of us come from some set of circumstances, whether it's from birth, whether it's through trauma, whether it's through a chronic disease. We all end up in this situation as amputees, and very often we are underserved sure. as a community, I feel. And I think, yeah, and I think it's important that we get our stories out there and not only normalize our particular way of life and our lifestyle, our brotherhood, and sisterhood, but also to inspire others. And I can tell you by following you personally, there have definitely been moments where I felt like, wow, you know, really, really incredible words, inspirational words, something that I was able to take a little piece of you and sort of inject it into my own daily routine or my own way of thinking. And then it just kind of sort of, you know, escalates from there. And I, I really feel like amputees very much can share that energy. And, um, 
you know, so thank you. Thank you for being here. I think the way I want to kick things off with you is um, I want to know what was the thing that surprised you most in becoming an amputee? Because I wonder, were, were you pretty active before your accident? Um, or was this something you discovered as an amputee? Um, but what, what really surprised you the most? Cause obviously you're, you're incredibly active guy, you know, what, what you're doing in the hiking, you know, landscape, the hiking world is no easy feat, especially as an above the knee. So what was the thing that you think um, was most surprising for you? Honestly, I think the whole situation of being an amputee, because I was so active before. I was a skateboarder and played basketball and was an adrenaline junkie, rode fast four-wheelers and bungee jumped, anything I could do. And I think the shock from going to that life to just bedridden for months was probably the mm -hmm. biggest hurdle for me. Like the mental shock of it. One day going to the gym for two hours a day, and then the next day waking up in the hospital with no leg. That was... Yeah. And no, I appreciate that, that transparency that I think for people that end up as amputees, as a result of a, of a, of a trauma, in your case, a, a car wreck, there is certainly that moment of, okay, now what do I do? Because it's very sudden, you know, I was someone that struggled with a bone disease in my right foot and it was something we were trying to fix for a long period of time. So the possibility of amputation was always in my sort of mental orbit and when believe it or not when it finally happened I have to say I was relieved because I had just gotten so tired of trying to fix something that was not fixable. And I, you know, I just got burnt out on hoping that, you know, my, my leg was going to get better and, and it wasn't. So it's hard for me to get into your, you know, space, look, look at it through your lens in, you know, one day, you know, um, skateboarding, playing, you know, doing whatever I'm doing. And then the next day, um, without a limb and take us through that mental process. I mean, do you, do you remember that moment? How did you, how did you find out? I mean, did you just wake up in the hospital and they said, I'm, you know, I'm sorry, Chris, you lost, you lost your Actually, leg. I mean, uh, what, what did that look like? My situation was a little, probably worse than that. Um, uh, my car got impaled by a 32 foot of guardrail front to back. And I knew I, it took my leg with it when it came through. So I already knew I wasn't going to have a leg. Mm -hmm. But I honestly didn't expect to live because I was by myself for a while at the scene and I had lost so much blood. And 
I just, it was inevitable. They said the ambulance was like 20 minutes away and I already knew I was going to be an amputee if I lived. Yeah. So, so you were conscious enough in that moment to say, well, first of all, there's a good chance I'm, I'm leaving this earth right now. And secondly, if I do pull through this, I, I already know I've lost my limb. And that, you know, the fact that you're able to talk about it shows a lot of strength. And the fact that you have pursued the things that you, you do currently as an amputee shows that there is life beyond that trauma that we can transcend and adapt and do, you know, really, truly, uh, you know, beautiful things. I know you're, you're a photographer as well, and I enjoy following you through social media and seeing your photos and encouraging others to share their experiences. Um, you're, you know, you're very very good at getting engagement and letting others know, hey, let, let, let's share some of our experiences. Let's share some of our photos. Let's share some of our, you know, uh, you know, humorous ideas, things like that. I mean, you definitely, you definitely have a, what I would consider to be sort of a snarky sense of humor. I like some of the things that you post. It gives me a chuckle. And um, where, where do you think that comes from as far as your being able to maintain that sense of humor in the midst of everything that you've I've been through? I've always been that way my whole life. Um, probably comes from my mother, honestly. She's sarcastically funny. Yeah. Stubborn. What would you say are some of the things you know, getting back into, you know, the outdoors, you know, hiking again, doing all of these things, challenging yourself, you know, let's say becoming the mad hiker that you are. What were some of the challenges that you faced? And that could be physical challenges having to do with your prosthesis. That could be mental challenges as far as pushing yourself to those limits, you know, how would you describe um, those challenges? Mentally, that I was, I was prepared to push myself to the limits, but physically I couldn't. That was probably the most aggravating thing was, uh, building the muscles back, getting my strength back to where I could tolerate walking long distances, um, uh, changing my diet, um, uh, prosthesis fitment, getting the right socket and the right foot for the terrain I was using hiking. And I do a lot of uphills and rocky. And probably the big. I've seen, yeah, I've seen some of your videos and it's, uh, you're definitely managing some difficult terrain from what I can tell. And 
Now, where you're located in the world in Kentucky, is, is most of where you do a lot of your hiking, is that relative to where you live? Do you travel I to those both. areas? I do a lot of traveling. How does that work? I, go, I hike multiple states. And grew up hiking the Appalachian Mountains. I think that helped a lot. Now I'm in South Central Kentucky. A lot of rolling hills. And... Okay. Okay. And what would you say is something that when you're struggling in that space, whether that's with your prosthesis or, you know, building those muscles back, you know, wh what do you feel like is the thing that inspires you to keep going? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, I, I honestly don't know. I just, I don't know. The feeling I get when I'm That's doing why you're it, the mad hiker. <laughs> when I struggle, like climbing yeah. a five thousand foot hill or something over rocks, and I guess the feeling you get when you get to the top. Yeah, I think there's, um, you know, there has to be some level of obsession, let's call it, to reach those goals, those milestones. I know for myself, so much of my motivation is the expectation that I put on me. It's not even necessarily that someone else is, you know, pushing me or inspiring me, but very often it's it's that that desire to find your personal best, whatever that is. And it's, you know, it's all incremental, Chris. It's like you know, when I started getting mobile again, it was something as simple yeah, as being sure. able to walk across the room. Just being able to, yeah, just being able to say, hey, I, I got out of a chair and I, you know, I walked around the room. And then that just sort of goes from there and newer activities start to become more possible. And then for me, and I don't know how it is for you, but I have this visualization thing that I do where I see myself doing something. I sort of visualize it. it it's, it's like I can almost feel it in my mind that I'm doing it. And then it's the pursuit of making that reality and saying, yes, I, I'm, I am going to get on my bike and go 50 miles. I'm going to do it. And there's that visualization piece that occurs where, you know, those gears start going, those gears start going. And within, let's say, several months, I've reached that goal. And had I not visualized that at some point, it's probably something that just would have never happened. Um, so putting those expectations on ourselves is something that I think is, is, is critical in reaching your personal best. You talked a little bit about nutrition. Um, can you expand on that? I mean, what does that look like for you, given given the, the physical test that you're putting yourself through when you're um, on these long hikes? Honestly, when I'm, when I'm training and just hiking locally, I, I normally stay carb deficient until I'm going to do like a 20-mile or a 10-mile and then I'll just carb load like three days before. So I'm a lot of lean protein and that's 
just about it. <laughs> Very particular. Well, yeah, you found, I mean, it sounds like you found, you know, what works for you. And so, so often people will ask me the same thing. And my response is always that, which is you've got to try different things and find out how your body reacts in those situations. Um, but I think you had the benefit too of before your accident, you were a pretty physically fit guy. You were active. You, you know, you're into sports, you're into extreme sports. You were a thrill seeker. You, you know, you were, you were sort of pushing yourself to limits anyway. So to make that transition into being an amputee and then once again, okay, now I'm going to really test, you know, I'm going to really test drive this leg and, and see what it can do. Um, all of that is um, just sort of who you are as a person. I was sort of different in the sense that most of my adult life, um, although I would go through periods or, or what I refer to as, you know, little, little sort of campaigns to like get in shape, you know, go to the club or, you know, you know, do a 5k with friends, things like that. I was never really committed to like an active lifestyle. So because work was so consuming for me, um, I tended to float in and out of my fitness levels where, you know, I could go for three or four months and be in pretty good shape. And then I'd spend like a six month stint, just, you know, eating and drinking things I shouldn't and, um, really not physically taking care of myself. But what I found as an amputee is in order to make this work and to be able to do it well and function well as an amputee, I needed to be in probably what I consider to be now the best physical shape of my adult life. Um, I'm very serious about it. I'm very committed to it. And it's only because I know if I was to suddenly not take care of myself, <clears throat> and I'm not just talking about physical activity, I'm talking about getting the right amount of sleep, getting the, the proper nutrition, reducing stress levels in my life, doing things that feed my body, my mind, my soul, loving myself enough to take care of myself, then I can approach having this limb loss and I increase the odds greatly for success. Um, I mean, how do you how do you feel about that? Because from what I've read about you, you know what you've mentioned to me um, previous to this conversation. I mean, you were I mean you were running pretty pretty hard as a young guy. I mean, you had a pretty colorful yeah. let's call it past where. You know, you, you've been very transparent, and I appreciate it because I, I think the audience would benefit from your perspective. Um, you've been pretty transparent about, you know, uh, drug addiction and living a life that was, um, you know, how can we say, adventurous? <laughs> you know, so... Um, you know, do, 
do you do you reflect on those times in your life? I mean, what is that process like for you when you look back and you think about those moments when you know, either you were abusing yourself or you were pushing yourself to maybe honestly, unhealthy limits. Um, I obviously regret a lot of it, but it made me who I am. I mean, uh, I went through a lot growing up. I had a fast life, I guess you'd say, in the music and tattoo world uh, at an early age. And I think it taught me a lot too though going through it what I didn't want to become what I didn't want to do because I seen it happen to a lot of people around me and so it's it's I went down a weird road I went down the road but I always hit the brakes at the right time because <laughs> I knew I I knew, I guess I had a future that wasn't, wasn't that. I think we all, you know, I think we've all made bad decisions. I do appreciate the sentiment when you say it made me who I am because so many, so many of the things that I regret you know, mistakes I've made and things I look back on and I say, oh man, you know, why did I do that? And I don't, I think it's undeniable because you say, yeah, but I am who I am now because of that. And it shaped me and it made me who I am now. It developed all kinds of different characteristics for me that have either given me a certain type of wisdom, given me um, a sense of self and worth, and it's fueled my perseverance. And it's also allowed me to live in a space of gratitude because you definitely seem like someone who's very, very yeah, happy to be day. here. And yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the vibe I get from someone like you is life. It's really a celebration of things. Oh yeah. I for mean, sure. wouldn't, wouldn't you say Every that's day. the truth? Yeah. Even when it's raining here, I tell my wife, she's like, it's yeah. cold and rainy and cloudy. And I'm like, it's beautiful. <laughs> Cause it's a new day. It's a, it's a, it's another chance to live and to enjoy things and to appreciate things. And I, I, I think that that perspective yeah, is, is so important. Day. And I, I, oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. I want to talk a little bit about your, your hardware. Um, you had mentioned before, you know, getting the right prosthesis, making sure you had the right uh, equipment, let's say, to do the things that you want to do. How, how did that evolve for you? What was that process like for you? Um, what do you mean, like the systems I'm using, or? Well, we all go through this evolution, right? We we end up in a prep socket, and then they, you know, usually a prosthetist will fit us for something that they think might be a good fit for us, and then we we start to become more active, and we realize eh, that maybe this is not the best. 
uh, you know, way for me to approach um, the things that I'm trying to do. And, um, you know, I myself, I, you know, I started with an adjustable socket. I'm now in a rigid socket. Uh, I was, had gone through a couple different types of feet. Um, I'm in a custom molded foot now that's kind of like split, like right down the middle. So it has the ability to sort of flex in all these different directions. Um, and that is such a, such a process of discovery in terms of, well, what do I need in this moment to help keeping me move forward? You know, so, so my curiosity is always, you know, what was that like for you? And, and what challenges did you face in getting the right types of equipment so that you could do all the things that you're doing now? Um, all my knees, I've been, I guess I've been lucky with the, with knee and foot, the feet, but my socket fitment, the guardrail come in at an angle. So I kind of walk on an elbow, it's like big at the top and get small at the bottom. Mm. And once you get out active walking a lot, it's hard to get the sockets to stay. So I've tried elevated vacuum, it didn't work. And I used the lanyard for a long time with the limb. Limb innovation is when I started actually being able to be active in the woods. I couldn't. It was. Yeah, that was sure. probably the game changer for yeah, you. I used Lim for three years until I found Shane at Integrity. Now I'm using a. It's a ceiling with the Revo. The Revo dials. Got it. And, uh, how often do you find yourself, uh, and that's with the, it's like, uh, if I'm understanding correctly, is that the system where it's yeah. kind of like panels like that you dial yeah, and, you turn and the they, dial and they compress? In and Got it. And, and with that system, that Revo system, how, how often do you find that you're having to make adjustments on that? I hardly ever adjust it, honestly, right now. Uh, I'm sure probably in the, in the heat, in the middle of a hike or something, you'd probably be adjusting it a lot more, but mm -hmm. I hardly ever touch it right now. Yeah, so once you get a proper fit, you feel like you can go go for a pretty yeah. long time without yeah. having to mess with it. Yeah, no, that's great. Yeah, I I actually had a uh, an adjustable socket through Martin Bionics um, for a few years. And that, that really helped me make those adjustments that were necessary. Cause I, I, I just tended to have this very vast, you know, amount of, um, you know, fluid change. So, you know, I, yeah, it was, it was, it was almost extraordinary how much my, my residual limb would change throughout the day. <clears throat> and it's especially depending on my activity level, if I was doing something active, it, it, it wasn't something that could be solved with ply socks. I mean, it was literally, you know, if I was going to carry around, you know, 20 plies of socks in order to, you know, make these, all these adjustments, it just wasn't possible. And at the time I was trying to get back to work. So, 
it just wasn't something that I could do uh, efficiently. It wasn't practical. It wasn't sustainable. So, so that adjustment piece was really, really important for me. Um, I did make the move to a rigid socket a couple years ago, and that's only because I feel I feel like I I sort of plateaued, and my my residual limb tends to not really change all that much anymore. Even when I am active, uh, it's it's a subtle change. It's not it's not like wow. I mean, this thing really shrunk down. Um, it's more of a let's say if I was using socks, it would be maybe between one and five plies of socks in order to be able to you know get the the sweet spot as we say where you feel okay, I, I've got a good fit. This feels good. Um, you know, I wonder um, what your perspective is in terms of how how you think um, people should perceive amputees. I mean, you've made yourself very available on social media. What 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 would you like to project, or what do you what do you feel is something that you'd like to be responsible for in how people perceive? who you and I are. You mean how people perceive me as an individual? Um, I mean, amputees. I mean, you know, yeah. I mean, so many, I, I hear so many varying things from able-bodied people about amputees and I'm, I'm sort of shocked by it. On the one hand, People think amputees are all Paralympic, you know, sprinters, and we all have really cool running blades, and we, you know, we can run really fast. And then on the other end of the spectrum, there's this perception of like, oh yeah, you're a cripple, and like yeah, you have I no was life. Say that like I, you don't do probably anything. Probably just to normalize it. I mean, just happened to be missing a limb. I still feel like the same person that I was. Honestly, uh, ironically, it's probably made me a better person. So I don't think having two legs made me a better person. So, I think they treat amputees like everybody yeah, else. Isn't that the, is that's yeah, that's that's very wise, and I think you're right. I think the normalization is so important. I know one of the focuses of this podcast is exactly that, which is to normalize what this is, because it is a lifestyle. We do things a little differently, but we're the same as everyone else. It's just um, there's some nuance sort of changes. We might drive a car a little differently. We might get dressed a little differently. But at the same time, people are just people. And, you know, I try to at least put out the idea that, you know, limb loss is not a death sentence. It's not something that means your life is over. Um, very often I meet amputees like yourself that'll say, you know, I, I, I feel like it's actually improved a lot of parts of my life. I don't think, like, when I had two yeah. legs running a tattoo shop, I don't think I would have hiked 20 miles. So, and 
So I think health-wise, it got me better physically and mentally because overcoming it, just just overcoming it, I think, made me a better person. Yeah. Yeah, and, and certainly there's an emotional component. Um, you know, you, you've been very candid about, you know, some of the some of the battles you've had emotionally, you know, with the trauma or the stresses that you've had in your life. And I mean, you're here. You're obviously an incredibly strong person, but we all have our moments where we fall apart, let's say. I'm one of those people too. And I have definitely had, you know, my dark moments where I thought, okay, you know, is, is this all worth it? Like, can I do this? You know, is this, is this who I want to be kind of thing? And I know that for a lot of amputees, managing those sets of emotions can be pretty complex. And I think that's why support groups are so important and being able to you know, follow people through social media can be tremendously beneficial in this situation. And um, do you, I mean, do you feel comfortable representing that for others? Is that something that you think about? Um, or is that something you you just, you sort of put it out there and you just don't really even think about well, how that's first, affecting others? I hadn't others. really thought about it. Um... It honestly just snowballed for me. I, I didn't really give it thought. I was just trying to accomplish hacks for myself. And then when people started reaching out and contacting me, I, start, I guess I seen a purpose. Felt like I had a purpose because from 2014 to 2017, I had to close down my business and I felt useless. So, yeah, I felt like it gave me a purpose to, to help people. Yeah. Once I seen it could help people. Yeah, and I'm sure when, you know, and I feel this way too, when someone reaches out to me and says, you know, thank you for bringing you know, this story to our community, it really, it's, it's really helped me sort of put things in perspective to feel like I'm not alone. When I became an amputee, I think, uh, and I, I, you know, I've mentioned this to you, one of, one of the things that, you know, I found very comforting was being able to hear the stories of other amputees and being able to feel a connection point in their struggle and sort of feeding off of their experience and their pain and applying that to my process. And it really made me feel like I wasn't alone because, you know, very often when something like this happens and you, you know, you certainly went through, you know, a very traumatic experience, a, a terrible, 
you know, car accident, subsequent, um, you know, amputation. And you're sort of surrounded by family and friends and, you, you know, you're, it, it, it's hard for people who are close to you to really understand what it's truly like to lose a part of your body. Something that has been there yeah, you get a little your entire to... life. <laughs> yeah, just a little. <laughs> and that is, it's a, tr it's a tricky set of emotions, man, because how do you explain to someone that, that isn't going through that, what that feels like, right? And I recall shortly after my amputation, sitting on the couch and just watching television, and I had a panic attack. I literally could not catch my breath. My heart was racing, and there was a signal going to my brain that was saying, there's something wrong. Your leg is missing. There's something wrong. And I, I, I felt this sort of like these alarm bells going off. And I, I got so upset in that, like, this thing is not there anymore. And how do you explain to someone that hasn't gone through limb loss what that feels like? You know, it's like, it's like, it, I don't think you can go ahead. Yeah. It's sort of like trying to explain phantom pains to someone. It's, I, th I think to, to most people, that's just sort of a bizarre concept that you, you could actually feel pain coming from an era, area of your body I think I've been that is not there anymore. Phantom pain. I don't, I don't experience a whole lot of it. May I had it like the first little bit That's or something, good. but. What would you say is something that you consider to be um, your next big challenge? Like what's, what's the thing that you're trying to accomplish in 2024? Uh, I just want to. I want to reach more. I'm reaching over 3 million people right now worldwide. I just want to grow my audience bigger, and I want to complete the Mammoth March again, 20 miles. I want to. That's my main that's goal great. right now. That's in May. Yeah, so. that's great. Yeah. And is, is, there any, is there anything that you have to do specifically um, to get ready for that? Is there a training regimen? Is that just kind of staying the course with what you're doing right now? Uh, or, does, or do you do something probably differently? Probably two months before I'll start hiking like probably two to three miles, maybe two to four miles a day. Just up until probably three days before. And then I'll carb load for like three days and relax. It worked last year, so... That's my hey, motto. If it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. <laughs> yeah, rest is important. Um, so when you're in that sort of training mode, 
um, do you find that your your residual limb, you know, do you find that that rest time is critical for that reset period? Um, and and have you ever struggled in in some of those more aggressive kind of training modes where you're pushing yourself? Have you developed issues? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, I've had with your uh, limb. I've had a few abscesses from hiking. Uh, I've been hospitalized. Um, I've tore the bottom of it open. Um, yeah, I've had quite a few issues with my residual, but I mean, I guess it's expected to do long hikes. Um, yeah, I beat it up pretty good. Yeah. Funny you take it all in stride. You're like, oh yeah, I, I busted it open. You know, <laughs> it's it it, like you're so it. casual about it. It was abscessed actually when I hiked Red River Gorge. <laughs> I just been, I just got out of the hospital yeah. the day before. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh man. Well, I and and maybe that you know right there, Chris. Maybe that's the sort of the extreme sports Chris from years past sort of coming out like, okay, I'm just going to push myself to those limits and Oh, pain. What's that? I don't know. know, Yeah. But I think it takes a rare breed of person, you know, to sort of push through that. You know, and I'm, you know, I'm not trying to cast shade here on anyone. Um, You know, I've definitely had conversations with amputees that will get, you know, this kind of like one little red dot, like on their residual limb. And they're like wondering if they need to go to the ER. And okay, like, calm down. You know, maybe you just need to take a break for a day. Um, But then I meet people like you, you know, who are, are, are literally, you know, tearing themselves open and they're just keep charging forward. And it, it takes, it takes a certain level of fortitude. It takes a certain level of grit to say, okay, my, my, my achievements in this are, are very important to me to the point where I'm going to, I'm going to push my body to its absolute limit. And that is something that I try to draw some strength from myself and wanting to bring my best self to whatever I'm doing as an amputee. And, and I'm not saying that's always just physical, um, you know, like physical activity. That might be, you know, a, a pursuit in business or a pursuit in, you know, charity work or, you know, just anything that I can do to be doing as much as I can do by being inspired by people like yourself. And I think that's, you know, a, a, a lesson for all of us in terms of takeaway. Um, how do you prefer that people reach out to you um, if they're looking for guidance, you know, any kind of support? Or they just have questions uh, about your process. They can contact me at my web. I got a website, themadhiker.org, or 
You can contact me directly through Facebook. Uh, I, I post randomly uh, about once a month, encouraging people to message me if they're struggling or want advice. So if if I can respond to everybody, I, I try my best to. Yeah. Well, it's very generous of you, you know. Do you, do you feel like that component in terms of community? Because there obviously there's so many, um, and I've seen it grown, you know, grow quite a bit over the last, let's say, five, seven years. I, I, I've seen the community groups on social media. They've really grown considerably for uh, people in our space. Do you feel like that's that's a pretty pretty critical piece of support oh, for people like us? Probably one of the most important this day and age. Social media is it's free advertisement for not just amputees or to reach the world with a pop. Or negative message, so you might as well do and it with positive. Oh yeah, for sure. And you, when you say negative, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm always fascinated with the the little sort of camps that spring up in the amputee uh, community groups, and I, I tend to struggle with so many folks that really, really want to sort of stay in that negative space. You know, there's a, there's, there is a lot of negative talk. Um, and what I mean by that is folks that seem to just kind of get stuck in this process. And I, I feel like these communities represent, you know, sort of a lifeline you know, kind of a, a life preserver for us to at least, you know, if, if you are struggling with, with getting the right kind of prosthesis, um, managing your limb care, reaching your goals personally, professionally, at least we have somewhere we can go to sure. talk to people. And yeah. And even if it, even if it's, uh, you know, wanting to complain about something that that you're struggling with in the in this uh, community, having someone to talk to usually at least gives you some some sense of um, support. And wh where I think I I get a little maybe a little uh, I don't want to say. Uh, resentful, but more just disappointment is um, when I, I notice that people d don't really even want to want to engage in any kind of positive talk, that it's just, you know, kind of a, for lack of a better phrase, sort of a pity party of, well, you know, I can't do those things. I, you know, I'm never going to do those things. And you know, what's, what's your perspective on that? Because obviously you are someone that comes from, definitely comes from emotional struggle. Um, 
someone that has gone through addiction, tremendous trauma in your life, and somehow not only do you continue to, to pursue and challenge yourself physically, but you also project what I consider to be sort of a, a funny, sort of quirky um, sort of perspective on life. I mean, what would you say to someone that's sort of stuck? Um, man, I was there. I was there for three years. Uh, I guess Mark Twain said it best. Like, we're not getting out of it alive. So, I mean, just not take it so serious, I guess. And you can do it. Like, the first time I tried to hike, I walked maybe 300 foot and broke down in tears in 2016 and then went back and hiked like nine miles through Red River Gorge. So you can do it. You just got to want to do it bad enough. Yeah, I think that's so true. And I appreciate you saying that. Um, I had a similar, similar experience. Um, the night the night before my amputation, my orthopedic surgeon came in and said, okay, we're, you know, we're cleared. We're, you know, we're taking your, we're going to take your leg tomorrow. And, and, um, do you have any questions? And I, you know, I really struggled with responding to that because there were so many questions. And I think I blurted out, maybe four or five questions in a row, like how am I going to drive and how am I going to work? And, you know, how many play drums again and how am I going to do this and that? And blah, 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 blah. And that surgeon looked me right in the eye and he said exactly what you just said. And that was, you're going to do everything yeah, if you want it bad enough. That's what he, that's what he said. He said, if you want it bad enough. And that always stuck with me. And when I hear someone say that, it really resonates with me because I feel like we make such a deliberate choice in these things that we, we, we choose to do or not do certain things. And the only thing we really have control of, as cliche as it sounds, is we only have control over how we react to what happens to us. That's the only thing we have control over. And I choose to live well. I choose to pursue my dreams. I make those choices. And I tend to gravitate towards people that do the same. So when I see, you know, Chris Cavanaugh, the mad hiker, you know, posting his latest video on you know the the you know the beautiful wilderness of Kentucky and how, how he's traversing through you know you know mountain streams and these beautiful landscapes and I mean shit man I'm like I I want to I want to meet this dude it. like that's 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 the stuff right there that that's my connection point of I don't, I don't know this man. 
I did not grow up with this person, but I feel a connection to the energy that he is creating in his own life. And I actually want a little piece of that. And I think that in the community, our community, um, we have the ability to share those things. And um, I think in closing, I just want to ask you, um, what would be the advice that you would give someone that just found out um, they lost your leg like you did? Uh, from my personal experience, I'd say don't lay down. Don't stop moving. Uh, that's why I say keep moving forward because it would have been easy to just sit on the couch and not moved. Uh, change your diet a little bit because it affects your limb. <laughs> uh, especially like sodium and um, a diet and exercise and just don't give up. That's, I wanted to give up for three years, so that's, a, that's all I'd say. That's all I know. Just eat good and work out good and about the best. Don't, don't give up. Don't give up. Yeah, those are words to live by. Don't give up. Chris Cavanaugh, the Mad Hiker, I appreciate you being here today. Please check out Chris online. He's got a, a massive following that is continuing to grow. And I'm one of those people that has been inspired by him. Um, thanks again, Chris. My name is Rick Bonkowski. This is the Amped Up to 11 podcast. I want to wish everyone health and happiness, and we will see you next time.